Welcome to episode 53 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. Um, we hope that you guys are hanging in there for the end of this school year. If you are working in schools, it has been a rough couple of weeks for <laughs> me. <laughs> so we are we are making it work. I've got um, one more week left in one of my schools. I've finished one, have one more week left in the other, and then I am out for the summer. So just remember there is a light at the end of the tunnel if we're if you're working from schools right now. Um, I wanted to share my local uh, news outlet put up a article that was talking about the hidden costs of working from home and I thought that applied to a lot of us right now. so I wanted to share a couple of the things that it talked about. Um, and some of the things were things that, you know, we don't consider as much. Like we kind of are like, oh, I might have to get some office furniture or things like that. It also talked about things like that your utility bills might go up because you're home all day, um, you know, and your internet might have to be upgraded for you to be able to work from home. And um, some of the other things were like, even, you know, are you going to need to create a new space in your house to be able to do that? Or are you going to have to displace someone else in your house to be able to do that? Or are visitors to your house going to have to, you know, like get a hotel now because you don't have a spot for them because you turned it into an office. So I just wanted to bring up a couple of those to think about if you are thinking of switching um, to full-time working at home. They are things that I have run into also. Uh, we were just looking for a new house as we're moving this summer. And I really had to think about where my office was going to be because I do this full time and probably paid more for a house that had a dedicated office in it. So that's another thing to think about. And I think also if you are working for a company that you are an employee, not an independent contractor, and um, you are doing some of these things from home, leverage some of that to see if you can have them pitch in for it. Because also the article also talked about some of the decreased costs for the employers and that they're not having to pay for these things at their building. So I would leverage some of that and say like, hey, you know how I'm not coming to the office so you don't have to pay for the heat for me? <laughs> Could you kick some of that in <laughs> to a fund for that? So making sure you're considering that. And if it's if you are an independent contractor and it's all on you, make sure that you talk to a, an accountant and see what of those things are tax deductible and think about that Um and when you're doing your taxes every year, because that can be a big difference with that, too. Oh, great points. Things that I certainly didn't think about. <laughs> I mean, I'm not right? doing everything from <laughs> home now, but but certainly I didn't wouldn't have thought about those things. Yeah. Yeah. It brought up a lot of good points. Yeah, that's cool. Well, within the same sort of um, uh, realm of discussion about being a teletherapist, and and either working at home or working uh, in a in a center or university like me or or children's hospital wherever you might be. One thing that I think a lot of people are dealing with is burnout, and we know that this month is 
Mental Health Awareness Month. And I think this is something we all need to be aware of is basically doing some self-love and taking care of ourselves as we uh, deal with all the things that we have to deal with. And I ran across a short little article by, it was on the uh, VocoVision website, and it's five ways to avoid burnout as a teletherapist. Uh, And it's by Lamary Sagara, I think is her name. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, But these five things, first was to meditate, journal, or exercise. So keep yourself physically healthy, and and meditating is another way to to work on your mental health as well. And a second recommendation was just set three goals per day. If you exceed those goals, that's great in terms of the work that you have to do. But set three goals per day and just work on those. And... The third one was make a work schedule and stick to it. And I think that's what sometimes happens to me is that I say, okay, I'm going to do this thing, these things over this week or set up my schedule for a week this way. And then, of course, within a couple of days, it's not happening the way I needed it to. And I'm, you know, as, as my friend used to say, chasing more rabbits. And so, uh, and so I was just, you know, chasing other things rather than focusing on what I really needed to get done. And so part of that is prioritizing and really sticking to it. Uh, number four is getting enough rest and making sure that our bodies do need rest and, and getting enough sleep every night is going to be critical for all of us. And then the fifth thing is just have fun. And what they mean in the article is, you need to do things away from the computer and something that you just enjoy. And, and so have fun with something outside of, of computers and telepractice and <laughs> speech language pathology or any of the allied health that you may be uh, in part of, but just do something that's just for you. And it's something that's enjoyable. And those are some, possible strategies to help with some burnout that people might be experiencing. Those are some good ones. I definitely heard things in there that I'm like, oh yeah, I should do better with that. (laughs) So those are some good things. Yeah, I should, yeah, definitely need to do more of all of that. (laughs) (laughs) So very true. And so on, speaking of mental health awareness month, we have someone special coming on today. Yeah, we have um, a very old friend. Well, I shouldn't say old. We've been friends for a long time. (laughs) We're not old. Um, And we go way back. And her name is Kelly Dixon. And she is um, a graduate student working on her degree in language and family therapy. And this year got thrown into doing her internship from home, working with people online. And so we invited her on to share some of those experiences with us. Awesome. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. 
We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, just Todd at 3C Digital Media Network, and I'll be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Okay, we want to welcome Kelly to the podcast today. Uh, Kelly, you have a little bit different background than some of our other guests that we've had. Tell us about your background and your experience with using telehealth. Sure. Um, So I am currently working on my master's degree as a marriage and family therapist. Um, Got my bachelor's degree from Utah State in psychology. And currently, I so I'm in my internship phase. I started in January and I go until December. And I feel like my experience is a little unique in that I've never even been into my office Um, I've never seen where I'm working (laughs) because it's all been from this little corner of my bedroom. That that could sound a little different uh, depending on (laughs) how you would interpret that. Um, um, So talk about the type of counseling that you're doing. So right now uh, we, with my focus in marriage and family, some people misinterpret that as like, that's only what I see is, is families or couples, but it really, I see children, adolescent families all together, or only a certain few members and couples in almost every stage of life. And I help, you know, I help with, well, right now I'm kind of just trying to discover who, who I am, what kind of therapist I I'm going to be. I have a great supervisor. I have three supervisors that we do weekly meetings with, and it's really kind of a therapy session for me also. That's great. That's great. So you kind of have this dual um, perspective of both being a graduate student who is still in the process of getting through grad school (laughs) and having it all be online, as well as um, serving families and individuals through um, mental health services. And I know that you don't have a lot to compare it to as far as because you didn't do it before the pandemic um, with in person. But how has that gone to see people uh, in over um, online? And have you had any like issues that you thought you were going to have and haven't, or just what's been your experience? I think the biggest thing is that it's better than I expected. So this plan in my head of, you know, what, what it's like to be sitting down in an office face to face with clients, you know, I was really craving that um, interaction, you know, that's part of the, the body language, the, position of how people are sitting, how close they are to each other or how far apart they are. This was all things that I've really been working up in my head. And so time came where, yeah, we're all moving online. You know, there was a real disappointment and, and I'm just, I mean, I can 
say, I, yeah, I honestly was really disappointed. And that first session came and I couldn't believe that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, there's of course some issues, um, children when they're given their phone or a, a tablet and parents go into another room and then I'm just on a roller coaster ride throughout their bedroom or something. I, I've learned that I need to s- establish those boundaries real quick about what the expectations are of telehealth. And, you know, you need to, I need to be able to see you. I need to see your whole face. No, I don't want to see your tongue. Please put it, you know, it's kids are, are quite challenging with, with telehealth, I find. But, you know, there's adults too that seem to think that, it's okay if I'm only looking at their forehead or, you know, the side of their face mm-hmm. and couples is challenging when maybe there's some conflict and they don't want to sit very close to each other, but then I can't see both of their faces at the same time. So I can't see who's rolling their eyes or who's, you know, it, it's very interesting in that point, but I've also been able to see that there's so many people accessing mental health services that would never before because of the challenge of sometimes the biggest, the hardest thing is getting yeah. somewhere, getting to the appointment, leaving the house. Um, it's, it's made it much more accessible to people that before kind of, yeah, they thought maybe, yeah, I could use some therapy, but it seems too hard right. to, to go to an office to, and of course, different mental health disorders can play a huge role in, in their ability to, to get somewhere, to make an appointment, to leave the house. Have you found uh, any challenges with building rapport? Because that sometimes uh, gets thrown out there as a, as a criticism of telehealth or telepractice. And how has that happened with you? Do you feel like you have a strong rapport with your patients? I do. I think the challenge is kids again, because of, you know, they already are doing school online and now another person to talk to through a computer. So I've had to, you know, look for resources on how to build rapport with kids through telehealth. A lot of that is, is playing games. I kind of took, you know, from my own kids, from their teachers that what they've been doing and it's really been a big hit to do like scavenger hunts and you say, you know, find something that makes you happy and they have to run around their house trying to find something and bring it back. Show me, you know, how you connect with them has to be a little different, a lot more energy. I feel like I'm putting into, to those kids with adults. I don't think it's been that hard of a challenge. The only when it comes to, if there's technology issues, bad internet connection, and I have to keep saying like, I can't hear you or, you know, we keep breaking up and then, especially if it's a first appointment with someone and you just get a lot of bad connection, it kind of feels like it puts the tone, uh, it makes the tone of the meeting a little bit stressful, a little bit. I, I feel stressed more and ho- I don't know, I kind of take on the feelings of my mm-hmm. clients. So then I'm feeling like, oh, if I'm stressed out a bit about this, they're probably really stressed out about this. And so it's, I think that's the biggest challenge is just technical difficulties. Well, this, this is uh, May is what mental health awareness month. Um, yes, it is. So one thing that we, 
do see right now uh, is burnout. People are saying, oh, I'm just so burned out for this because of this past year. You know, I'm just so <laughs> overwhelmed with everything that's been trans, you know, transpiring with, with COVID and, and shifting jobs or maybe being out of work, you know, for so long and, and, and having those stresses. Do you have some just sort of general advice that you could give for people who are feeling a little burned out or, or under tremendous stress? I know those may be two different things to deal with. <laughs> well, yeah, it, the easiest to say is throw out the like, oh, self-care, make sure you're taking care of yourself. But mm-hmm. sometimes that's easier said than done. Um, and even for me, I've had to examine like, well, what what does self-care really mean for me? Some people will say, oh, you know, I get my hair done. I go to the spa, I get a massage. And to me, like that's, that doesn't work for me because I'm, I can't enjoy that because I'm thinking of all the things I need to be doing or, oh my gosh, I'm spending this money on myself and, or I'm, you know, this is a luxury I don't need. And so you really have to find what works for you. Um, I've been able to, I I enjoy listening to podcasts and I let myself off the hook of listening to educational ones and find ones Mm -hmm. that are funny and entertaining. And then I can be productive while I'm listening. So I'm doing the dishes while I'm listening. And that way there's no guilt in I'm not being productive, which is not a healthy thing, I think, (laughs) because I should be able to relax without feeling guilt. But also, you know, I'm human too. So I'm working on that. But we do, I a lot of my clients recently have talked about the strain of jobs. A lot of the couples I see, it's like, oh, you know, we didn't know this was going to be such an adjustment to be what were uh, both working from home or, you know, one working from home or, and, you know, the expectations are usually not communicated to each other very well about, about what to expect. Um, some people have really enjoyed the <laughs> togetherness. Some people find like, oh, I, I really enjoyed my, my alone time. So I think being able to communicate with those that you live with that, yeah, maybe I'm feeling a little burned out and I need some time alone or taking turns, taking, getting away, getting out of the house, I think is important. Um, but also knowing that it's okay to get support, mental health support when things are feeling a little off. You know, some, I think there's some people that feel like, oh, my problem's not that bad. I don't, I'll save that for someone else that needs it more than me. But uh, it's like a doctor of going to a checkup, a physical checkup. Our brains are kind of the same. We need to, it's okay to get a checkup every once in a while and talking things out is surprisingly very helpful just to hear your own words, to form those thoughts, having someone that's a neutral third party that, you know, is not going to judge you or, you know, go tell somebody that that's involved about what you're talking about. It's just very, I've many people have told me, you know, this is, I can't talk to anybody about this because Mm -hmm. I don't want to disappoint them or I don't want them to feel like I'm a burden or, I, they don't understand that therapy is helpful or don't believe in therapy. That's a a big one. And especially in different cultures, depending on, you know, what they were brought up believing about mental health and and getting help. 
hopefully that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, I think those are all great tips. Um, I think another thing too, that we sometimes see as speech language pathologists, because part of our job involves talking to people a lot, is that sometimes, um, you know, sometimes we do do some counseling, whether formally or informally. Any tips for what we should look for when it's like time to make a referral and call in a professional for one of our clients? I think being probably in tune with what what your clients usually behave, usually like what's their normal behavior, their regular speech pattern or thoughts, um, how they're presenting in in sessions. And just being on the lookout for any changes that might not be caused by specific events. Or maybe, you know, I I had a client recently that their house burned down. And, you know, I have to explain, you know, all these feelings are now very normal. The, The, I guess, regression in what progress we had made, it's very normal because this was a very traumatic event. So when things, maybe there wasn't anything that happened specifically, but you've noticed some differences in your clients, um, maybe, you know, asking like about how, what their feelings have been. I know that's very cliche, like, oh, tell me how that makes you feel, but just trying to help them identify their emotions is probably one of the the best things. Some people are more willing to tell you exactly how they're feeling. And some people you have to dig a little and get to some uh, secondary emotions below the surface. Yeah. I just, um, I work in a high school this past year and not very far away from the high school that I work at, there was a school shooting recently in Rigby, Idaho. And it just makes me think about how many people saw that little girl that did the school shooting and, you know, like my saw something and didn't say anything or, or is there any kids on my caseload that I'm like, well, what am I, what do I need to be watching for? What do I need to look at? And are any of these kids one? And a lot of kids, there are no signs or there's no way to know, but I think that's something that I've thought of so much more in recent years, um, especially working more with adolescents than I have before. So I think those are some good tips to kind of watch for big mood changes, watch for big stresses in in their lives. Yeah. And adolescents can be a little tricky because you don't know what to attribute to normal teen behavior or, you know, what's a little deeper and asking, I, I don't think there's harm in asking about like family dynamics. I don't know how much you guys go into those type of relations. That's always on my mind. Like what, what system are you a part of? How, how's that affecting you? And you know, what I I like to go to like, tell, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, you never know what, what uh, from our past is still, you know, lurking there. And I think, yeah, with your teenagers, I think really letting them feel like you're listening is a huge thing. Um, Not being just another adult trying to get them to do what they think is best, but really listening to what they, what they are saying. Yeah. 
yeah, I think those are some good tips. And I know it's different because I am not there with them their whole school day either to like see them in the halls and how they're acting and other things. But I do always make sure that like I spend, you know, even if it's the first two minutes of a session being like, how's everything going? How's school going? And I have another student that lately has, she's like, oh, I don't want to come to speech today. I'm too stressed out. And I just let her know. I'm like, you can just come and talk to me about how stressed out you are. <laughs> like, I don't care. That's, that's it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a safe place for you to do that. I don't want you to not come because you're stressed out, like bring the homework that you're stressed out about and we will work on it together. <laughs> and, you know, if we don't get any IEP mm-hmm. goals accomplished that day, like we spent that day building relationships and letting you know that if you need help, I'm a person that you can go to. And I think that's just as important as like, the data we collect and the things that we accomplish on a list that day. Right. And I've learned with the younger people that they want to know that, that you're a real person too. I, one of my supervisors told me, you know, I, when I was like, Oh, this, I just cannot get this kid to give me anything. It's just a lot of no, yes, no. (laughs) And she's like, you know, sometimes with kids, you have to give a little to get a little. So I would start answering the questions along with him and like, you know, yeah, well, this is, this is my favorite, whatever. And, um, just, I think when they know that you're, you're a human and you have flaws or, you know, challenges, that's where they connect the most is with, with knowing that, you know, everyone, everyone has, something they struggle with. It's all about making that connection. Yes. That's, I think as a a student, you know, for me, it was that stress when I started like, oh, I got to hurry and apply this model. We got to, we got to get started on this treatment Mm -hmm. plan. And over and over again, supervisors would tell me to slow down. Just, you know, that's, yeah, in school, that's what you're doing. You're getting right to a treatment plan, but no, you got to build that relationship and, and let them know that this is a safe place with kids. Remember, you know, they've probably been told their whole lives not to talk to strangers and all of a sudden their parents are wanting them to tell their deepest, darkest secrets to somebody they don't know. So that's what I try to keep in mind. Like, yeah, we got to, we got to build something here before we can do any progress. It's the trust, you know, has to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what, you know, as speech pathologists, anyone working with people, (laughs) you know, you have to be able to have that rapport. And I think good rapport is built on trust and, and that mutual respect that, you know, should come with that. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have any go-to like activities and games that you've really enjoyed online to get your kids to open up and work with you? One that they seem to really enjoy is would you rather questions? Um, mm-hmm. And I really just go to Google, Pinterest, there's yep. lists and lists and lists. And it's very, it's very fun to do follow up. So they'll give the answer, but then you, you know, question like, oh, well, why did you do that? And, mm-hmm. and then I will say, mm-hmm. you know, my side, like, well, this is, this is what I would choose. And then you can really get into some pretty, good conversations that way. Um, And I always tell parents when I'm working with kids, I always tell them, you know, sometimes it will look like we're not doing therapy, but we are every, everything we're doing is, Mm -hmm. is a way to build. And, you know, it might be frustrating to see, maybe there's no progress happening. And even, you know, with me uh, as the, the student, 
I would often think, oh, I, I don't know if I'm making a difference. And then, you know, working with someone for three, four weeks and a mom will tell me like, oh, he was really looking forward to talking to you today. He kept asking me, when, when do I get to meet with Kelly? When do I get my time? And so, you know, that kind of like, oh, wow, and I am making a difference. And it's sometimes kids don't have that one-on-one attention from an adult for an entire hour, you know? So it's, that is, right. it's becomes really special to them. So that one, the would you rather, that's, you know, can get pretty silly at times. <laughs> and the scavenger hunt, I like that one because it, mm-hmm. they get to show off things for me. So, you know, show me something you're proud of and they'll bring something that and sometimes it's something that makes you happy and I'll get lots of pets on that one. So I, we do a lot of uh, sharing pets with each other and, you know, looking, holding, holding up pets to the, to the screen. And um, that seems to be a, a big hit with, with kids is sharing about animals. Um, I'm still trying to work out technology where you can play games together you know, they're on one end and I'm on the other. Sometimes it doesn't quite work with like the platform we have to use. Uh, and not at, some people are on their phones. And so then it becomes like a little tiny screen for them. So that's still something I'm trying to figure out, but I know it's out there. I know people do that. Um, and, <laughs> and that's still a challenge for me to figure out, you know, how to make those work. But a lot of times finding out what the kids, what they're passionate about, you know, I've learned so much about Fortnite and Pokemon and I just roll with it. <laughs> Anything that's important to them, I make it important to me too. Yeah, I think we all we all I mean for me, yeah. depending on the age, you know, from frozen to all the you know preschool stuff, you know, Peppa Pig. I've had a lot of Peppa Pig all, all the way up. <laughs> so Fortnite and Minecraft and everything else. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I know there's so many resources out there that will tell you how to incorporate those into therapy. Um, one of that's I think is really clever is when we talk about Pokemon and we help, you know, I encourage the kid to design their own Pokemon of themselves. And we talk about their strengths and weaknesses and how you evolve to the next level. Um, it's, you know, it sounds simple, but like very, it, it can get very um very deep almost because I had one kid talking about how to, how he would evolve and he would have to develop certain skills to get to that level. And it was very personal things like being not anxious about certain things. And so if to get to this level, the next level, you know, that he has creates these goals for himself to how to get there. And it's pretty cool. I, not my idea, found it somewhere else, but one that I think can get Oh, it should, should be used more. Yeah. I like that. I had a student this year that was on the autism spectrum and he would um, say just random lines from Toy Story in the middle of our sessions that he had memorized. And his mom that was by him would always be like, we're not talking about that right now. Let's, let's move on. And then like the last two sessions, I was like, maybe we should talk about it. And so my whole last session with them was like, we're having a Toy Story day. And like, we played a matching game with Toy Story. And I asked them, you know, questions about each character and where they were and what they were doing. We, I found a news article about toys, comparing Toy Story to another um, 
another movie. And then I found like a sequencing activity for Toy Story. And I was like, and I just talked to the parent about, you know, just in general, sometimes we do need to like redirect and sometimes we can just go with it and say like this, these are, this is what he's interested in. These are ways that I can still accomplish my goals with what he's interested in. Yeah. So it was a really fun session and I wish I had done more of it after I did do it. Yeah. I I remember, well, almost weekly, I'm reminded like not to do more work than Mm -hmm. the client. (laughs) And so when I find myself getting stuck or feeling like I don't know what direction to take. I just remember, I try to remember, Oh, what do they, what are they passionate about? What do they like? Um, and I think I would use that toy story as, you know, in the mental health field, I would then change it to like, if you were a character in toy story, which one would you be and why? And, you know, I think that's a great way to, I mean, they're already interested in it. So that's a easy, easy point. And then turning it into what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like in hearing you talk, I feel like we do use a lot of the same activities with a different goal in mind, mm-hmm. but yeah. both of us are trying to get kids to communicate and open up with us. Yes, that, you know, a lot of that is like, how do I get this kid to talk? Some kids don't have a yep. problem with it. <laughs> yep. but so, some you do have to get a little creative. Awesome. Well, Kelly, I think it may be time for our moment of Zen. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. It's, it's, so, so Kim has given me lots of questions about you that I need to ask you secretly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yes, like, he's, he's lying. Yes. We ask everybody these oh, questions. We'll get, I will, I'm an open book. <laughs> deep, deep, dark. Yeah. We're getting deep, dark. <laughs> so th- this is a series of questions that, uh, are based on the Proust um, questionnaire, which mm, yes, you know, many podcasts I listen to have something like this. <laughs> so we do ask, we try to ask everyone the same question. So just, and you can answer with one word, and you can uh, elaborate, or you can not elaborate. So it's totally right. up to you. Okay. Okay. What's the most used app on your phone? App. Uh, probably Instagram. <laughs> okay. What's the last TV series you streamed? Uh, just recently. Let's see. Um, I was, oh, I'm, now my mind has blanked. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I can't think of, but I'm like in the middle of many different one different shows Cause there's the ones that I can listen to, I can watch on my own. And then the ones that I have to wait for my husband. So we watch together. So um, sometimes we go back to favorites like scrubs or um, that's kind of our fallback or uh, arrested development is one that we go to also, but I can't, I can't think of what I'm list- I'm currently watching. <laughs> Those are good. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, what's a favorite book? Um, oof, I'm a book collector and I'm waiting for a next life to get them all read. Um, I really love anything by Malcolm Gladwell when it comes to okay, yeah. learn, like nonfiction. And I kind of have to force myself to mm-hmm. read fiction these days. Cause again, it's like, Oh, there's so many educational books I need to be reading. 
So I feel guilty reading for pleasure. <laughs> uh, we'll go with. Yeah, I'm exactly the same way. <laughs> yeah, and I'm reading a lot of textbooks too. So I can't th- I can't say a favorite because there's so many. <laughs> Malcolm is fine. Malcolm Gladwell's fine. Uh, what's your favorite genre of music? Probably a little bit of classic rock. Okay. And I think awesome. classic would be to me maybe eighties, seventies, little okay. bits of nineties. <laughs> the big mix station. We play a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite food? Gonna go with pizza. I've yet to grow up. Pizza, good one. What's uh, the most exotic or farthest place you've been? Well, I did live in Germany for three years. Uh, I love Switzerland. I feel like that's where I belong if I was wealthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the scariest thing you've ever done? (laughs) Um, What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Probably like cliff jumping. If we're going to go with like fear of, you know, kind of a physical scary thing i was go jumping off of tall things but i've done it <laughs> wow okay that's good um what is a pet peeve that you have hearing people eat i share that as well um if you didn't choose <laughs> your current profession what profession would you like to try interior design <laughs> I had that path for a little while, nice. then switched it up. But I always dream about designing my office. So someday, maybe I'll get to do that. That's right. That's right. Um, and the last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Relax. <laughs> you, you can relax. Yep. <laughs> Now you can relax. (laughs) That's a good one. That is a good one. Well, Kelly, it's been great having you on, and we appreciate you answering our questions and giving us some some great tips about mental health, which we all need. Thank you. We all need. I I do want to make sure that people know that I am not licensed yet. I'm still a student, so take everything I've said with a grain of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. And that was Kelly Dixon joining us talking about some mental health issues and how we need to take better care of ourselves, especially in these stressful times. Not only is May Better Speech and Hearing Month, but it's also Mental Health Awareness Month. And we want you guys to just know how much we appreciate you. But at the same time, if you are struggling, if you know someone who is struggling, make sure they get connected to someone who can help. There are lots of services, lots of of different counseling that's available. So make sure you're following up. But ultimately, we have to take care of each other and take care of ourselves. And you can help us here on the podcast by leaving a five-star review that always helps us to attract new subscribers and to reach 
more listeners, which is what we want to do. Until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. Thank you.